Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and I think this is our first international guest on the show. So joining us from the future, all the way from Australia, is Joe Muirhead. She's a professional life changer, and she's here to talk to us about all of the wonderful projects that she's working on. So welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you very much, or g'day, mate, as most of you are expecting. <laughs> oh, Joe, I'm so excited that you're on. I love what you're doing. I loved meeting you at the Evolution of Psychotherapy conference and getting to give you a hug in person. And just, I love the, this is private practice videos that you do, the, the things that you're putting out there, but I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself. So let our audience know who you are and what you're putting out into the world. Oh, well, thank you both very, very much. So my name's Joe Muirhead. I am a chief life changer or professional life changer, as Kurt has just promoted me to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a rehabilitation counsellor by qualification, so it's a little bit of an obscure and strange undergraduate degree that, that I have. I built a private practice called Purple Co., which is the truncation of Purpose for People, where we are a team of specialised allied health professionals, so I have psychologists and OTs and physios. We help people return to work following injury, illness, and trauma. And I started that nine years ago. I started that in a climate where I was told it could never work. And I've chosen to specialize in a piece of work or in, in a range of work that I was told could never work. So nine years on, we're still doing okay. Nice. Awesome. So that's fun. And in 2011, I had a couple of um, opportunities come to me where other health professionals said, Joe, can you show me what you've done? Would you mind teaching me what it is that you've done? So from them, I, I developed a love for being able to help other, prof other health professionals. And I've worked with so many different disciplines now that it's, wow, it's kind of inspiring. Uh, all over the world where I help clinicians identify who they are, who they serve, how to take that message to market, and then how you build a clinical practice that's actually fulfilling. Because everybody wants the sense of freedom until they realize that private practice is hard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And just like mm. we, we talk about in a lot of our episodes of having that entrepreneurial mindset and really being able to stand up in the face of people telling you no, yeah. uh, to really build on, on that adversity, I guess, it, it takes a lot of that entrepreneurial spirit. And Ooh. you talk about being the entrepreneurial clinician. Mm. What does that mean? Yeah, it's a great question. I, and I'm still, I'm writing a book called The Entrepreneurial Clinician at the moment. That's how the title came to me because I see in this day and age that we need to have skills other than just our clinical skills. 
10 years ago, we needed to be talking to people about this thing called digital literacy, which now everybody just assumes is a thing that you were born with. It's a part of your DNA that, that's not. We learn those skills. And I've, <laughs> I've been watching over the last you know, five or six years this, this need that we have to self-promote uh, be able to give value before there's an exchange of money. That's a key feature here. And, and be able to embrace this risk-taking. <laughs> so for me, being an entrepreneur means thinking bigger than just what's in front of you. It's being able to mm-hmm. think about what is this, what's happening in my industry, but what, does, what, are the, what do my people need? And being three or four steps ahead of what my people may, need to be able to help them get to where they need to go. Because if we stay back thinking, well, <laughs> classic example at the moment is all of our professional associations have not caught up with the fact that this is the year 2018 and their rules are their (laughs) rules around marketing and self-promotion are actually self-defeating all of our professions now they're doing that Mm. to preserve the integrity of professionalism and to protect consumers what they don't understand is that consumers actually need our professional associations to become different and actually embrace some of the modern marketing tactics that are out there because that's how consumers buy services. So when I come back to what is the entrepreneurial clinician, it's being aware of that climate. It's understanding that my good work is useless if people don't know about it. And the only person who's going to tell people about my good work is me because I can't rely on anybody else to do it for me. And in truth be told, I'm not allowed to have recommendations from clients. They're not allowed, you know, if I see that stuff online, I'm supposed to take it down. That's how it works over here. So there's risk-taking involved. There's being, there's being uncomfortable that's involved. There's this strong element of self-promotion, which we often talk about as, as marketing. It's being able to be agile. So a lot of people go, I'm going to do this, and they're very rigid. Clinicians are awesome at this. We're really good at following rules. <laughs> These are all the rules. And I'm going to follow all the rules and I will not depart from the rules. But what happens is by June, you realise the rules are no longer serving you. So you go, holy hell, how do I then go to the left a little bit? And then, oh, but nobody else is over here with me. That's terrifying. So Yes. You find, take you until October or December, probably two years' time, to actually realise that I needed to be on this path and then the rules have changed again. So that's a very long-winded way of saying what is an entrepreneurial clinic. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's such a, a good way to talk about it, though, because I think each professional organisation has a different way that they look at marketing and, and communication. And certainly we have some of the same things. I know it's a little bit stricter, I think, in Australia than here, but there's, we can't ask for testimonials. Mm. We can't, you know, put those things out there. So I think it is that same piece of how do, how do consumers actually know what therapists have to offer? How do they know if you're good? Mm. You know, all of those things, especially if you don't do anything for self-promotion. And I think, you know, Kurt and I talk about this. We, we did a, a, a episode called uh, The Brand Called You yes. and, and talked about kind of how to do that. And I think what really resonated with what you just said was this idea that there's, there's not rules. Like we're going into this Wild West area and we still want to be legal and ethical. We mm. still want to do what's clinically appropriate for our clients. We still want to do good work, but, but it's like we can, if we go out of this tight little zone of where there's laws and rules to actually address what's happening in the modern mm-hmm. environment we can feel like we're really stepping away. And so, I mean, obviously you're singing our, our tune here. Mm. This is what we talk about. Mm. How do we do this in a way that works? But 
But if we start thinking about it, we start actually digging in, what are the implications of being an entrepreneur on the clinical process? Like how, how does having to do those things in your eyes, how, did that, how does that impact the work, the clinical work? Oh. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, how long have we got? Excellent. Um, <laughs> to, on, the, on a really, I'm going to start with the positive because I think it, it's really easy for us to tear each other down and we have a, a thing going on on online communities at the moment where everybody's really quick to judge and I, I don't want to be a part of that. So yes, when you are in the zone of self-promotion and marketing, when, when I say self-promotion, it's not an egotistical thing. It's saying, hey world, I have this knowledge and skills and I really want to help you and I know I can. This is how I help people. I'm not saying rah, rah, buy my stuff, buy all my things, I'm going to rip you off because that's what most people hear when they hear self-promotion. Yes. Yeah, you're right. When you become practiced and develop your skills around how to take your message to market, so who I am and who I serve and how I help and what problems do I solve, you find yourself getting into the heart and the head of your client. Because you're doing it at the beginning of the conversation, before they're even in the room. What is it they need to know about you? So we we now have two generations of consumers now who are used to value before they exchange money. They are used to being giving stuff. It's like the old gift with purchase. You know, you went to the estate law, the <laughs> counter. Yeah, so that that is the way. We've got two generations. So it's, in, it's fairly entrenched in our culture now where you give before somebody says, I think you're pretty cool and I think I might want to work with you. So if to, to give something that's relevant and useful, you've got to get into the head and the heart of your client. You've got to be able to go, what are they thinking? But more importantly, what are they feeling and they're not acknowledging? So for me, what that's actually done in my work is made me such a better clinician because I am present with my clients from the moment they turn into the room around the issues that are going on for them, not my assumptions. Nice. Yeah. So... I think what a lot of clinicians do across all disciplines is we think that when the client comes into the room, we're having the, the conversation at day zero and we all think we're on the same page and in the same place and everybody knows what's going on. The problem with that is the clinician's got five, six, 20 years of experience behind them. So they've had all of these conversations before. The client never has. This is brand new it's terrifying and they're scared that we're going to make them do something that's going to hurt them, right? So we are so used to having these sophisticated conversations that we think are common sense that everybody knows about and we're, we're actually stopping clients from engaging with us because they're going, I don't know what that means. Because Oh, wow. Nobody mm-hmm. ever turns up to clinical work or to a therapist going, could you please CBT my adjustment disorder, so I can transform. (laughs) (laughs) Except if they're a therapist seeking therapy, right? All right, and that's a whole (laughs) different conversation, which we may not get into today. I would need a lot more coffee for that one. But yes, and I'm using that that phrase a lot because as soon as I say it, people get it. They're like, oh, you're right. I've never had a client turn up going, can you CBT my adjustment disorder? Well, what do they say say instead? I can't sleep. I'm scared. I'm feeling fragile. So if we had a client who turned up and said, I want you to CBT my adjustment disorder, we automatically go into diagnosis. We automatically go into the structures of CBT. But if you've got a client who turns up to you and says, I am terrified. I saw this incident and it has really freaked me out or I cannot go home because I'm scared I'm going to lock my kids in a cupboard. The way you approach that clinical work 
right from that outset is completely different. Yeah. What I think it means is that we have to develop a maturity around our clinical skills so that we are not so reliant on process. We have a really sophisticated consumer base now. People have more information at their fingertips than we've ever had. They probably know as much about their diagnosis as we do. They've probably Googled it because that's what Dr. (laughs) Google exists for. Um, And I don't know about, I have people turning up with their own diagnosis and I'm going, how the hell did you come up with that? Um, I've had that too. I had somebody come up with a really complex diagnosis and I was like, I've never heard of this, yeah. but this is so what you have. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Okay. Now we, have, now we have something to work on. That's right. <laughs> so we need to be able to be professional, but flexible enough to go, well, does the diagnosis label really matter? And what does this person need for me right now? And how am I going to help this person get to where they want to go? Because because really diagnosis is useful for helping us have a context, but it doesn't help us in the moment in terms of function. No. So, so for me, being an entrepreneurial clinician, I think has helped me understand people better. I keep saying to especially mental health professionals, we are the experts in human behavior. We should be awesome at this. Yep. But it means getting outside of our boxes and our rules to actually look at people as people and not as a set of diagnostic criteria. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. In your work with clinicians all over the world, you're exposed to a a number of different cultures, a number of different approaches to things. How are you seeing this translate in Australia, in Europe, in the United States? Is there groups of people who are ahead and are really able to embrace us? The system allows them (laughs) to do that a lot sooner, a lot easier? You're probably not going to appreciate this as much, but you guys in the U.S. have this... It's an easier entrepreneurial journey for you because it's a part of your ingrained culture. Like that's how your nation was started. Mm-hmm. The biggest challenge that I've seen in the last couple of years is, is your, the system of government and the changes around your system of government. And I know this is not a political, but that has massive, massive implications. And, and what becomes frightening is individuals not understanding the implications of that. Most Europeans have a very big understanding of what's going on in the world. They have much broader worldview, much, much broader worldview, and they know the implications of decisions being made in the US and what that's going to have on practice in, in Europe. Um, you think you've got a lot of rules to follow? You don't want to go to <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's I guess it, it, the European mentality is much more about the common good 
how do we do this for the for the common good and for for the good of everyone which makes it a little hard when you're dealing with individuals um uh, japan is fascinating japan and korea is fascinating they are probably the most rule-driven societies i've ever met and trying to help them i've got some i've had some amazing japanese japanese occupational therapists funnily enough um because they've got this aging population it's actually an epidemic they, they've gotten and they've got no one to support their older people because they had a stagnant population. See, this is what happens. You need to know this stuff. Um, <laughs> but helping a Japanese person and a Korean person understand that they're allowed to have their own ideas, their own thoughts and their feelings are valid and watch them come alive and then go, so how are we going to take this to the marketplace in an environment where it's these are the rules, you don't have feelings, <laughs> um, we just get the process done and please give me a checklist. And I'm, be, I'm being very simplistic and I'm not trying to minimise anybody's experience at all, but you asked me a question on how it compares. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think um, Australians don't realise how small we are. Uh, we like to think that we're as big as everybody else. <laughs> 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 but the, the population of Australia is less than the population of California. Goodness. Yeah, it surprises everybody when I say it like that. Um, so we, we, are, we are learning from all over the world because we have this, this massive worldview. If we didn't, we'd be very insular penal colony. <laughs> um, and, and I think we can take, we, we are very good at, at taking what appears to be working from other parts of the world and applying it to a, a much smaller population. So if it goes wrong, it doesn't hurt so many people. Well, and really what I'm taking away from this is that the, the culture that you're working in is definitely going to affect where your entrepreneurial opportunities yeah. Yeah. really are. And that, especially for our, our listeners in the United States, is that the, the barriers to be entrepreneurial are fairly yeah. low. It's really about getting past our own issues and being able to put ourselves out there to really take our idea. Uh, ab absolutely. And, and getting the right people around you. I see that that's a big problem. So you, you, a lot of people say we need more rules. We need more regulations. Oh, hell no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> what we need to do is embrace the ethics and professionalism that are, is, is in our code of conduct and make that the basis of our rules. This is how I conduct myself professionally. And then I'm so surprised at how many people cannot tell me what their code of conduct says. Kurt can tell you. He, that's one of the things he loves. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, will, I will tell us how to behave yep. all day long. Yes. It, it, it's frightening. It's it really frightens me because that people will say to me, but my, my professional association won't let me do that. And I'm like, what? That's weird. Are you sure? Yeah. And, you, and, you <laughs> and then I go into, can you provide me some evidence of that, please? Um, <laughs> so then we usually have to go and find it together because I don't know how to find it. And then when you read the code of conduct or the rules around, especially around client engagement or something, and they go, oh, I didn't realise that. Okay. That's so, that's so interesting. I think there's a lot of things that people will assume yeah. because a lot of people say, it. and I think it does come from a place of fear. I think it comes from a place of, this sounds too judgmental, but thinking small, kind mm. of thinking in just kind of today versus that entrepreneurial looking Into several future. steps ahead, that kind of stuff. Um, but I think there's often times that therapists get in their way all over the place, oh, gotcha. you know, and I, and I'm sure you've seen a oh, lot yeah. of that. So, so what do you think are the biggest ways that therapists get in their own way? Oh, okay. I'm going to my notes now. 
She's she's un- unrolling a yeah, very yeah, large yeah, scroll is. right now. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so the bit, the first thing I say, and I've tried to make this really concrete because I didn't want it to be all about you know esoteric mindset stuff. But if you go to school and you become a uh, a licensed professional mental health professional, you've invested time, energy, and effort to do that. Right? You do not have an inherent right now, and you are not entitled to know how to run a business. So if you decide that the only way you can invest in learning how to be a business owner, which is what a practitioner private practice is, if you decide that the only way you can invest is by looking for all the free stuff, all the cheap stuff and all the easy stuff, please go and get a job. (laughs) (laughs) I am so with you on that. Oh, my gosh. So many people don't want to invest at all. They're like... What do you have for free? I mean, there's a lot of amazing free resources, but and if you really want to step up, you've got to invest in yourself. Yeah, and even if it's you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So if you have never run a cash flow budget forecast, you can learn and you should know that. If you don't know how to do SEO on your website, you need to know enough about that to be able to delegate it appropriately because the other thing I see is Oh, clinicians want all the alternative sources of income yesterday. So I'm going to, oh, yes. I want my, they haven't learned how to sell themselves enough to be able to fill their practice to a point where they're comfortable with the revenue that's coming in and they've got enough space in their life to then work on the next project. So I see this all the time. My, my practice isn't full, so I'm going to go and create an online program. Selling an online program is a completely different skill set to selling your services, which is completely different skill set to selling a multi-clinician practice, which is a completely different skill set to selling coaching service, which is a completely different skill set to being able to speak from stage and get paid $5,000. How many people turn up to me in a consult call two years after graduation going, I want to be a keynote speaker and start charging $5,000 a keynote? Oh, dear. Um. <laughs> and and as and I'll, I'll throw a quick plug into the therapy reunion yeah. conference that Katie and I are hosting. As you should. We're hosting it as the keynote. We're not making five thousand dollars on our own keynote. <laughs> I, I'm quite. I, I've, I've never been paid that, and I do a lot of speaking. It's only in the last two years that I am now attracting uh, a fee. People come to me expecting to pay, uh, and that's great. For me, yeah. speaking isn't my one of my <laughs> speaking for me is a marketing tool. I do it because it works, which is why I do the this is private practice videos. I didn't mm-hmm. that that was hilarious. That was me. I started that as a rant about my telco. <laughs> if you go back to the beginning, you'll see it's three months of me going, so Telstra still haven't fixed my problem. <laughs> <laughs> And guess what? That is hilarious. Guess what they told us today? They told us that we've been supplying that they've been charging us for something for the last four years that they haven't been able to supply. Wow! Wonder where that recording's gone. So it was all. It all started with me just going straight to camera and not even thinking about my environment. All the things we're told not to do when we set up a video blog. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, this is what's happened to me today. And I think we need to talk about the good, the bad the ugly and now we're into nearly 150 episodes and people turn up they're expecting 
me to be there. They want to know what we're talking about. I get I get great feedback from people. Find it very empowering, and it's being shared all over the world. So I'm like, okay, let's do that. But I don't get paid for that. <laughs> no, no, it's a marketing thing. Yeah. So I want to switch gears just a little bit because I love that this is private practice, and I've gone and read blog posts. You know, I'm I'm a little bit of a fan girl here, but you talk about the realities, mm. like you lay it out. You know, there's myths about like, do your, uh, you know, your automated income or your, your passive income, that's what it's called, the yeah. passive income, make six figures, do this, this thing or that thing. Like there's all of these things that are, are myths and sales pitches. And, and I, my experience is that a lot of the people I work with are like, well, I should be able to do this. All these people are doing it. I'm like, no, they're really not. Oh, God, no. You know? and, <laughs> And so, you know, you have such a great perspective on this. What do you think are some of the most harmful myths that have been put out there? Because I feel like this really impacts people's self-esteem. Oh, God, yes. It impacts their business plans. I mean, like there's stuff that's going down that is just not right. But I think I'd love to hear your thoughts on what the the most harmful myths and, you know, Mm. promises that uh, people make to therapists. Okay, some of the things that I've seen that really scare me is um, just call yourself a coach so you don't have to worry about your border protection, border protection, wrong phrase, state border controls. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. So coaching and therapy, two different things, very, very different things. And you guys are in a highly litigious society. you, You are so ripe for a lawsuit against somebody who pretends they're a coach. No, we're not, and I'm going to sue you for saying that. <laughs> Come at me, because I, I just upped my <laughs> my opinions are my own, not Kurt's. Kurt's opinions are his own. <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. So I think I think this word coach is being misused a lot. I use yes. coach in my title because I've actually gone and trained in in it. I see a lot of people doing bossing around. I see a lot of people doing training. I see a lot of people teaching a technique or a tactic that they learned and calling themselves a coach. So I think we need to be a little bit careful about that. Um, I think that the therapists out there are so overwhelmed by the choices that they have that, um, and there is a lot of information being sold and what therapists inherently need, and this is a big generalization, but most people need help to implement. So yes. if you go and buy a course You need to know that you will do it, that you'll implement it, and that you'll be able to review what you've done. So buying a $99 course might sound awesome. I buy a $99 course and make a build a list of 15,000 people. Well, that's great if you do the stuff. Yes, and if the stuff actually works. Well, (laughs) most of the time, (laughs) most serial online entrepreneurs will have a lower priced item to hook you in. And then they have an ascension model where they go 99, 150, 500 a month. And when you're sitting there reading through this information, you go, I haven't a clue. I don't know how. Oh my God, what else have they got for me? And you realize I've not got to pay $500 a month to get the support I need. It's like, yeah, you do. Yep. So, and we've created, we're not being sold a lie. That's just the way we have learned to shop. We buy one thing first. If we test it out, if we like it, then we buy another thing. If we test it out, we buy it. We like another thing. So it, nobody's doing anything untoward here. It's just 
all these therapists seem to get really offended. They, you know, her twenty dollars stuff was really awesome, but what I needed was her thousand dollars stuff, and I can't afford a thousand dollars stuff. So work with somebody to help you get to the thousand dollars stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Another point: everybody wants results in advance. Prove mm-hmm. to me that your stuff works, Joe. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Uh, yes, I've been there. <laughs> I, I've had a, um, an online conversation with someone. It's bizarre. It's just like, well, how would you help me? And I'm like, well, who are you? Well, how would you help me get to my business goals? What are your business goals? Well, how would you help? It's like, what do you want to do? Wow. Yeah. So, and, and that's, it's, that's not un- uncommon. So I know I'm pretty good at helping people think. That's one of the gifts I have. Let me help you think about this so that you can make some informed decisions. I'm really good at that. I'm really good at pulling out the layers of the cake and working out where we need to start and then putting the layers back so that the jigsaw puzzle is all nice and in the right place at the right time. But I can't do that if your expectations are completely unreasonable. Amen. <laughs> Wow, this this might be the most listened to and I might become the most hated person on your podcast. Um. (laughs) Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. And I think the other thing we need to understand is that not everybody needs to be in private practice for themselves. It's actually okay if you are a clinician and you love your work and you've got an agency or someone else's practice, we need you. We actually need the people who want to work with the clients and do a good job. I'm, I'm, every day I wake up on and look at Facebook and go, I wonder who's decided to become a practice building coach today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who is going to be left to treat the people? Who, who is going to be left? We can't rely on new graduates. That's not fair to the people who need help. So I've been, in this, I've been doing this work for 20 years. I can tell you the way I work now is completely different to the way it was when I was five years out, which was completely different to 12 months out. Um, so not everybody needs to be doing private practice for themselves. Not everybody needs to be a coach. Not everybody needs to be developing an information product. Your responsibility is to work out what's going to work for you now and into the future. And it will change. And it's okay. But you, can't, yes. you cannot rush this stuff. If you don't have time, so when people come to me and go, Joe, I really want to work with you, it's like, great, you're going to be investing this much money a month, but you need four hours a week to work on this stuff. The money never trips people up. It's the four hours a week. Interesting. If you haven't got four hours a week to work on building your business, then I'm not going to take your money. Which is incredibly fair because plenty of people out there would take your money and then just keep telling you that you need to find the other three hours and 58 minutes (laughs) outside of that transaction. Yeah, I just... (laughs) It's not, I, I will help people find the for it, but it's, if you haven't got an understanding that you need to invest time in it, you've got to learn new skills. You've got to yeah. learn new ways of thinking. Stuff is going to come up that's going to be really uncomfortable. You're about to go on this journey of self-discovery on stuff you thought you left in childhood. Uh-uh, it's coming back to visit. I want to go back to a, a point that you made earlier that's coming back up now is that it does take time and money to invest. And there's a lot of therapists who undervalue themselves Mm -hmm. and expect therapists or coaches to help them out of the goodness of their hearts. 
and it's not investing the time. It's not investing the money. What do you recommend for people who are looking to make that next step in their business as maybe the best investment if they are choosing between a couple of different services or packages, where should they look at first? Yeah. So everybody wants me to say marketing because that's what everybody wants. Uh, They all want to go to the courses or the people that are going to help them fill their practice. The problem with that is if you don't know how to manage a full practice, you're going to fall apart and you're just going to keep hitting this upper limit problem all the time. And you'll go on a new merry-go-round and you will become sick and you'll become burnt out because I've seen this 20 years. I've seen this. I lived that life for 15 of them. So I'm pretty experienced in that. So I think the first place you need to start is where you work out what is it that I really want? Who am I and how do I best serve people? So it took me a really long time to work out I didn't need to serve all the people with all the problems. (laughs) (laughs) There are some client groups I'm not a good fit for. Right, but we, we're all taught. I have yet to find a academic school where we are not taught you do the work for all the people who turn up in your room at, and it doesn't matter if they could pay or not. You guys actually have streams inside the social work programs in your schools over there where that is being taught as subject matter. Oof. No good. No. Yep. And it's, that is so unfair. It's not, it's, just, it's not just unfair to us as clinicians. It's unfair to us as a profession. Like it's actually, but it's also unfair to society, yeah. right? Because if I'm working with every client, no matter whether or not I can treat them well, there are clients who are being served in a way that's not ideal. No. And it's not, and I'm getting burned out, and I'm going to be a horrible clinician. That's right, <laughs> exactly. So I think we have a responsibility to work. So if you love seeing clients, so I have a client at the moment, and she'll see twelve clients in a day, but she'll do that three days a week, and she's brilliant at it. But that's all she does. Clients, clients. And then the other two days, she does the other things that she needs to do to build that. Now, when I first met with her, I went, oh, nobody can do that. That's appalling and don't do that. Um, <laughs> and she proved me wrong because it works for her. It would never work for me. And I think she's probably an outlier, but she's, it's, it works really well for her. Now, I know that three days of delivery with clients in a week, not full days, but three days where I'm delivering with clients a week is enough. I need the bookends to my week to help me be settled and grounded and work on all the other friggin' things that I've got. Sorry, that's a bad word. All the other awesome entrepreneurial things that I've got in my world. Because <laughs> they all need time and attention. Yes. So you need to find someone that can help you unpack who it is who you want to be, how you want to be perceived in the world, the brand you stuff. What is the type yeah. of client experience that you want your people to have and then build from the ground up? So how do you go out to market and then present this message? So I know everybody just thinks I need the next marketing hack and I next. how do I make Facebook work for me and who's doing videos really well and getting clients so I just need to do videos really well. It's, you're missing the point. The, the tactics come after you've done all the work on the strategy and you cannot start working on strategy until you work out where you want to go. Yeah, there you go. I love that. I, am not a, I love that so much. <laughs> I am the anti-seven-step system person. I've tried that. It did not work for me. I have never been able to work with clients and take them through this particular process. I just People are people. It, everybody's different. Their, the, their environment's different. Their desires are different. The way they express themselves is different. So there's no, I don't, 
I don't think there's a packaged way of going step one, step two, step three, step four, especially in the beginning because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so ironic that this is what we work with our mental health clients on each and every session of express yourself, figure out where you're going, develop the plan, then figure out how -hmm. you're going to do it. That we're so miserable at doing as as business people for ourselves. So the key there, Kurt, is that the clients come to therapy and invested time, energy, and money to come and work it out. So therapists, if you want to build a business and you want to do this in a way that's going to fulfill you and not burn you out, not make you sick, not make you broke, you're going to have to bring people around you. And not just mates or friends that will tell you what you want to hear. You, you need people who have got your back but have got your back in such a way that they can say to you, stop being a pork chop or a banana fruit cake. <laughs> okay. Um, and you need to settle down and do the right things at the right time. I don't, you don't, your friends don't even have to know what they are, but yeah. you need to have people in your world who go, this doesn't look right or you don't seem right. I'm so grateful. I've got a group of people around me and they can tell from my This Is Private Practice videos, Joe, you need some time off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's awesome. I think it's wonderful. So, so we could talk with you for hours and hours and hours, but uh, unfortunately, we have come to the end of our time. How can people find you if they want to work with you, if they want to watch your This Is Private Practice? Like, how do people find you? Okay. The, the easiest place that I am finding that people find me is on Facebook. Uh, and the pri- this is private practice videos I'm now doing live to Facebook. I know I grew up and put on my big girl pants those days. That was terrifying. <laughs> um, but there is a there is a YouTube uh, series, so you can type in this is private practice to YouTube, and hopefully they'll come up. I don't know. I've never tried that. I have a website, joemuirhead.com. If you're interested in knowing about Purple Co, that's purpleco.com.au. Um, I have a email list where you get information about stuff that's coming up and events that I'm a part of or running. Um, and my blog posts will often go out as emails and just some interesting stuff that way. So I encourage people to join that. And, um, if you join that email list, then you're going to get the first offer on the, this, the entrepreneurial clinician book when it's released either little this year or early next year, depending. On- nice. I'm on the list. So I get to get that book. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Joe. Oh, my pleasure. And we'll include links to everything that Joe just said in our show notes. Uh, you can find that on our website, mtsgpodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Vernoy and Joe Muirhead. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.